0: hi and welcome back to the meaningful connections podcast i am so excited to bring you all the official first episode um thank you so much if you've listened to the pilot episode and it something caught your attention and you're tuning in again thank you so much for your support um and if this is your first time catching the podcast then welcome um i am monique mosley i am an organizational development uh psychologist i'll call myself today and um but i'm i'm just a normal woman you know black woman mother a lot of hats um trying to understand the world that i'm living in the relationships that we all have um my life experiences and the best way that I've learned to do that is to observe and talk to other people. So this week, I am grateful to have a community of people that once I posted the pilot um, connected with me and said, hey, I would love to be a part of this and one of those people is um, someone that i've known since i was my first memory of her was third grade and she and i would call each other best friends i did i called her my best friend in my head i don't know if she would claim the same we'll we'll get into that when we, we get to the interview but I consider her one of my best friends from the time we were eight years old until we graduated from high school and and went our separate separate ways. Um, We've seen each other maybe three times that I can recall um, in person since we graduated from high school in 2001. Um, Both of those times, one of those times was uh, my mother passing away in 2011. And then when I saw her and saw all of the rest of our friends from childhood, I was like, yo, we should get together. And she's always been that person. You know, that girl that's cool with everybody, beautiful, smart, funny, um, confident. She was that girl. She was that girl for me. She was that girl for most people in our school and we came from a small 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 area of South Carolina keep that in mind that will be a part of the context so I'm getting ready to interview her you will hear um parts of our interview during this podcast um I hope that we come out of this uh, with some good laughs maybe some insight from two grown-ass women um who've known each other since we were very little girl my daughter's age actually and i hope you all enjoy the conversation so thank you stay tuned i already did a little intro for you but would you like to introduce yourself to the people
1: so i am sharonda denise malik these days i go by my middle name denise um Let's see, I'm from a small country town, Utahville, South Carolina. Hey. <laughs> it was you know, I always felt like it was something more to life than my small country town. Like I felt like there were more opportunities out there and I wanted to grow and grow up and move to a bigger city. So now I am residing in Orlando, Florida, and I have two beautiful children and a yes. hubby. Yes, and I'm a teacher turned assistant principal. So yes, I'm just a little country girl who went out into the big world.
0: Yes, <laughs> I love that. Um, what would you like me to call you today?
1: Well, we can go by Denise. Okay,
0: so Denise, um, I was thinking about this, and I love to start at this point of when you and I met. Now, my first memory of you was third grade in... What was her name? Miss Matthews? Miss Broughton. No, not Miss... Miss Broughton. Uh, Miss Broughton. Oh, I can't... (laughs) And that messed up paddle.
1: Girl. Yes. Do you remember me before that grade? No, now that you think about it, that's where I remember you from. But we were friends before that because remember in third grade... Larissa came by third grade by third grade you and I were already calling each other best friends and then Larissa came and Larissa tried to steal you away from (laughs) me so I think in third grade is when I first started experiencing jealousy (laughs) I
0: I remember Larissa coming and I remember her just joining our crew and us just going to each other's
1: houses problem with that because I was very territorial and I was like she's coming this is my best friend and now I have to share her with Larissa I wasn't happy about it but I did like Larissa so I was like okay I'll go along with it so we all were that's really
0: interesting how we remember these
1: things see how perception is so different
0: yeah (laughs) I don't think it's different it's just that like I think I was focusing on different things and you were focusing on different things. And so like, I didn't, I didn't catch, or at least I don't remember that, that tension at first when Larissa came.
1: I remember there was like, huh? I did get the paddle. (laughs) Did we all? Oh, 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 except for Melissa. Remember, everyone got the paddle except for Melissa because she was the yeah, guy that was honest. We did not like her for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Melissa, we love you now, girl. If you listen to this, we love you always. But when you first came, like everything, like you know, kids are young; they don't know any better. Somebody's new coming in. It's like, oh, who is this girl? Yes. So I get that. What What I wanted to ask you was, were you in Miss Knox's class in second grade?
1: In se- no, second grade I had Miss Tyler. So Sharika and I were in Miss Tyler's class in second grade. Because Did I, get I remember Sharika Yes, I remember Sharika starting from second grade, I believe. Mhm. I remember Sharika. I can't really remember who I was friends with in first grade cuz that was Miss Holiday's class.
0: Who were you in I first had grade? Ms. I
1: had Miss Okay, Matthew. yeah, so I had Miss Holiday in first grade.
0: Do you know yeah. who my best friend was in, in first grade? Who? Taisha. Taisha,
1: Wright? right? Yes. Yes, yes. We and okay. her I
0: always tell my husband this.
1: I was like, uh
0: in first first grade? Yeah, first grade. We, there was a tree in the um in the playground along the fence that we could climb into. And me and her yes. used to go in there and just say curse words at the kids that were running around. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh
0: oh my goodness okay um okay so I never knew I never felt confident at least in my adult life when I look back on my childhood that I was really anybody's for real best friend Mm -hmm. like even with our relationship I remember it evolving once we got to like middle school and high school, and more girls became a part of our clique, and we got introduced to different types of people. That I was always like off somewhere of doing something else. Everybody else was was sticking together, and I was always off doing something um, something somewhere else. And so I'm curious, like, what was that friendship journey like for you from your perspective?
1: Um. From my perspective now as an adult looking back, I think that at that age, we were all trying to find ourselves and for Mm -hmm. me, I think I was just looking for someone to be my best friend because I feel like you're just supposed to have a best friend. Like that's what people Mm -hmm. do, have best friends, so Mm -hmm. I feel like we were all trying to figure ourselves out, so Mm -hmm. even though we may say so-and-so is my best friend, well, yeah that is what your definition of a best friend at that moment that's what you know to be mm-hmm. a best friend mm-hmm. they can only be the best friend that they know how to be at the moment and that mm-hmm. you, you know so i'm just thinking like i remember saying you and larissa was my best friend at one point i remember sharika and i being close but mm-hmm. i felt like our friendships were separate because i felt like okay this is monique and larissa this is my these are my best friends right here but then mm-hmm. this is sharika. This is my best friend right here. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, as we got older, we just kind of all just went our ways. But we stayed within our little clique. Yeah. You know, through school. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the class, uh, I now have this word in my vocabulary of cohorts. But, you know, that group of kids that were pulled out and said, oh, you all are smart kids. We eventually always ended up in classes together. Yes, and because it's
1: called tracking. Tracking is done in education today. (gasps) You better bring that Yes, ma'am. Yes, so that's something that you have to realize that your kids are going to be tracked when they go to school. So -hmm. the reason why we were all together is because we were tracked. And what's crazy is I didn't learn this until I became a teacher. Because Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out every year that I became a teacher, all of my classes had kind of like had a personality. Mm -hmm. Like my morning class would be the band nerds. Mm -hmm. The class after that would be the kids who were very smart, but they weren't labeled smart. Mm -hmm. My next class would Mm -hmm. be, oh, that after lunch grouchy class, but they were smart and witty the Mm -hmm. next class would be like the challenging class and year after year they kept having that same personality Mm -hmm. because kids are tracked. so if you're in band you're always going to be put with the band kids
0: and because of the scheduling those
1: kids end up being together Mm -hmm. so If you're in advanced classes you're always going to be with advanced kids because in education there's only so many amount of classes that you can be put in so you're Mm -hmm. always going to be put in with the same kids with the same classes year after year time after time so you're actually tracked with the kids who you're with so if you don't grow up to be like if you're not advanced um academically then you're going to be tracked with kids who are Mm -hmm. also not advanced um academically and it becomes almost like you know how they say crabs in a bucket, like we're mm-hmm. all failing and we're bringing each other down. Aww. But when you're all <laughs> smart, you're all lifting each other up.
0: Yeah. You know, I didn't even, before you said that right now, I didn't even consider the possibility that we were grouped based on some indicators. Based on, on our academic ability, yes, age.
1: yes. So that's the thing. A lot of people don't know about tracking. Yeah. Um, And, you know, even though I was an education major, I never really thought about it. Mm. So I realized that tracking is real. Now,
0: from your perspective, as someone who's taught, been through that kind of system and also are in administration, um, do you still see it as, is it like beneficial to have that kind of grouping and tracking over the years with children? Is it like good data that people are getting out of it?
1: Well, here's the thing it's beneficial for the students that, um, you know, have um, good test scores and high academic ability. But if you struggle academically, it's not good for you.
0: Oh, got you. Because then you pigeonholed and you never really
1: able, ah. Ding, 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 ding. So it's not good for the students who are underrepresented, but it's just how it is. And it's just how our education system is, unfortunately.
0: Tell me more about what you're doing professionally right now.
1: So professionally right now, um, I was was a teacher for nine years and Mm -hmm. I taught middle school. Then I became an instructional coach for two years. What does that mean? What? Instructional, instructional coach? coach? <laughs> what does that mean? Yes. Yeah, so instructional coaches, you know, how you have your coach for sports, An instructional coach is the one that guides teachers. So when you're an instructional coach, you're like a master teacher, like you've taught, oh, you know what you're doing. You know how to get those strategies that are going to cause students to succeed. So then you start to lead other teachers. So it's almost like you're a teacher peer, but you use what you learn in your classroom to guide teachers. You use research proven strategies to help teachers and student achievement so i did that (laughs) and then the next step for me was to be an assistant principal and of course as an assistant principal you're a teacher you're an instructional coach you're a leader you do everything from instructional to organizational development just making sure that the school runs and the school stays together and that the students are succeeding the teachers are happy that everybody's winning so that's my Mm -hmm. job a principal to assist the principal and making sure that the school is a good
0: community. <gasps> um, in in my space, in my work, I think what you just described sounds a lot like a role that we have called chief of staff. And yes. that person there's a the leader and then there's a the person that's to the right of the leader that's really right. getting stuff done. Right. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And and now I'm intrigued by like What is your
1: leadership style? How would you describe that? Oh, it's funny because we just took a test. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, well, we did like a little, uh, should I call it a test? We took like, what is my personality style or my leadership style? Yay! Mine was, it was so funny because like, I guess I'm very, how can I say it? I'm trying to think of the right words to say. I wish I had my results saved, but... I'm one of those leaders who I guess, you know, I give everyone a chance, like, you know, I am definitely not, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? I'm definitely not the uh, the, the leaders that are like always on top of you. Like, no, I'm not a micromanager. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not a micromanager, but I would just say that like, I'm very supportive. You know, I'm open to change. I'm very flexible. Um, I need to find a name to put on it. I can't even remember. The name um, of the style. I have I so many know. books because this is yes. this is the stuff that that I was just talking about. The, um,
0: Hold on, I have I a need book. To look it
1: up. Where's my thing? So the four basic styles are direct, coach, support, and delegate. But I feel like if you read a different article, you might find a different name for it.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Um. I've heard people talk about. Emergent leadership and Uh servant leadership a lot in the space that I'm in where they're looking for people that are either like more of the coach style of of leadership and management where they're just kind of guiding people and and stepping in and and redirecting when needs to happen. And then on the other side of it is the servant leader, which is... um, which is like not not servant um the emergent leader which yes. is all about change and vision and like shaking yes. stuff up and and making things happen So
1: you know what if I had to choose one I would say honestly like I'm so many different leaders wrapped up in one but i would say Yay. i can connect with the emergent leader because i just basically do what needs to get done like i don't want to label myself or put myself in a box to say oh i'm this kind of leader but i'm just like very versatile i'm mm-hmm. all the types of leaders <laughs> i'm all of the above like yes I can't ma'am it's a one style but what was so funny is that when we took the test my scores were like almost like triple tied on so many like my scores were so close in so many categories like Mm. i had like a 21 and then like a 16 and a 16 on one and the one where it talked about being like um a master um what's the thing called the one where it talked about being a micromanager that was the Mm -hmm. one that i was the furthest away from i had like three on that one (laughs) I had like three, and then yeah. I had like 16, 16, 21 on the other leadership tiles. So I would say that I'm very versatile. And whatever it calls for in the moment, whatever the job calls for, that's the kind of person that I am. And I just jump right in, I would say. But we can I go with emergent if I had to choose one.
0: Got you. And, and I, that totally makes sense to me. I was going to say, when I think back on you and who you were. You've always been this person. <laughs> like confident, self-assured, um willing to to like make stuff happen. And when you do something, it's with a certain standard of quality that people can't deny you. Woo!
1: Thank you, girl. <laughs> yes. I, I love that.
0: And I wanted I to it. ask you, were you aware of that when you were younger?
1: So what's so funny is not well I think in a way I was aware of it when I was younger but then I think I realized the magnitude of it as I got older.
0: Ooh. People would
1: say those things to me and then there were times when I didn't feel that confident or like oh I don't think I'm as good as they say I am mm. like okay I know I'm smart right and you know I know I can get things done but am I really as good as people think I am? Mm. And I feel like you know, sometimes we all have those moments of self-doubt and I'm like, why do I even doubt myself? Like I shouldn't mm-hmm. doubt myself. But, you know, as I got older and I look back, I think, yeah, I do, I did realize it, but like I said, I didn't realize the magnitude of it. Hence, is why I'm now a leader of a school, but <laughs> you know, sometimes you really don't think about it or you don't yeah. think about how big what you're doing is or how well you're serving others because you know, you have to think about the percentage of teachers that actually become an assistant principal, a principal, you know, um, um, a superintendent. Like, that number really isn't that large. So, sometimes yeah. I tell myself, like, look at the position that you've been, look at what
0: you've been mm.
1: charged, how you've been charged to lead. Like, you are doing something, and it mm-hmm.
0: is something. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you're, you're like, yeah, I'm at... I'm that girl. I'm not gonna curse.
1: <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm that <trying>. bitch.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. And and I think, um I don't know. I, I was I wrote this down actually before we talked. I was like, You've always been the it girl. Like
1: But you, you know what? And I just I don't know. Like I think in the moment I didn't realize like I said, I didn't realize how big it was. But then my mom came to visit me. My mom is one of the most confident people in the world right yes and she I is I think in my head this yes. woman is overly confident <laughs> oh my gosh was I overly confident I think I came off as cocky sometimes yes but then I realized yes. I got that from my mom like oh. when my mom is here the way she talks the way she speaks I'm like this woman ain't nobody gonna, gonna tell her nothing this. right and I was like okay you know being in the house with the woman all those years I feel like I picked up on a lot of that and you know Mm -hmm. at the time I didn't even understand that I was picking up on the things Mm -hmm. that she said and the things that she did and the way
0: she carried herself yes like your mother didn't have to say anything right but you knew her presence was there and you respected that presence right right (laughs) ooh wee
1: I love that I love it did you tell her you know what we don't really talk about it in depth but maybe we should
0: Mm-hmm. That would be a beautiful more, conversation.
1: I think we need to have more positive and more soulful conversations. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would definitely
1: agree to that. I'm gonna say that one day. I'm gonna say, my, you know what? But a lot of times I say I'm just like you, and she'll say you're not just like me. Because if you were like me, blah 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 blah. Girl, please, I am just like you, honey. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you know,
0: um, I think I was afraid of that.
1: That why? scared why me. Why were you afraid of it?
0: Um, because there was a negative connotation for women that were strong or like had a presence or was or were confident or spoke up for themselves, especially from where we come from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And my grandmother was more of like the quiet,
1: uh, quiet corrector, you know. And And you know what? I like that you said there was a negative commentation because it's true. I think like some adults will say, "Oh, she's grown," or "She's this," or "She's that," or "She's too much." So a Mm -hmm. lot of adults did say that about me, and I'm like, "Well, look at me now." Mm -hmm." (laughs) You know, it's funny that you know they say that I was grown. (laughs) But those same adults that call me grown are now calling on me. Could you lead this for me? Could you do that for me? Can you write this for me? Can you be this for me? I like how you do this. I like how mm-hmm. you do that. Like,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: so yes. <laughs> you know, that is so true, girl. <laughs> I love this.
0: I love this. Um, Have you, so you've been out of Florida now for how, I mean, out of South Carolina now for how long? 20 years? Girl,
1: is it, is it 15 20? years. 15. Is you left South Carolina fifteen years ago. Yeah, in two thousand six. Oh, almost. 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 Yeah, I think January will be. What is it? Yeah, ja- yeah, almost sixteen years. Wow. Yeah.
0: Are you? Um. When you think about South Carolina now as a grown woman, separated from it, are you? What are your thoughts on it? I don't want to lead you down a certain path.
1: So, um, I think I went through a a stage in my life where I just felt very bitter. Mm. Where I felt like, you know, I came from poverty. Like we didn't have much. And I always said I wanted to be better than my ancestors and what they did wasn't good enough. And like, I don't like this or people see us as ghetto or people see us as this or people see us as that. And I was like, but who told me that story? Mm-hmm. Who told me that that's what we were? Mm-hmm. I decided to change the narrative. I decided mm-hmm. to look at my story as one of triumph. Mm-hmm. I decided to look at myself as victorious. You mm-hmm. know, no, I didn't come from much. I came from poverty. But look at how I turned that story around and how I made it into mm-hmm. a positive thing. Look at someone who came from nothing but grew, who learned, who, you know, almost like the rose that grew from concrete. Like. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a bad story because Mm -hmm. was it really that bad? No, it wasn't. So it's up to us to decide how we paint our picture. It's up to us how we look at our past. We can come from a place of learning and development and forgiveness, or we can come from a place of hatred. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can look at it as my mother and father didn't give me enough, or I can look at it as they gave me everything they knew how to give me. Mm. And so I chose to rewrite my story I chose to Not come from a place of Bitterness but from a place of love And from a place of understanding And realizing that life is all about growth Like nobody's going to leave this earth unscathed Like Mm -hmm. this is a part of my story And I can choose how I See it and I can choose how I live it And I can choose how I tell it
0: Girl you just preached something to me
1: (laughs) So that was That's how I was able to forgive You know, And who am I to say that someone even needed to be forgiven? Mm. Because when I talk to my mom, she's like, I did the best that I could. I gave you what I knew how. I always loved you. And I was there for you the way I knew how when you needed me. So I'm like, hmm, yes, that. (laughs) So I decided to turn my story around to say, you know what? Looking back and back and back, like I'm in a totally different space from you know my grandmother my great grandmother like you know i'm living that dream that they have for themselves that they have for them children for their children and you know the chains are broken and going forward my kids and their generations will just continue to be better and better and better and they'll have stories to tell but their stories will look a little different
0: of course of course yes. and that's what we're trying to do right we're yes. trying to make sure that we're making it better um man
1: So how I feel about Utahville. Uh, (laughs) So I feel good about where I came from, you know, being a small town girl, you know, there was so much innocence and so much purity in where we, where we came from. And when you look at the bigger world and the bigger picture, and you think about some things that have really happened in this world or Mm -hmm. that really went on in this world, I was protected from that. Mm-hmm. And I was allowed a space to really grow up, to develop myself, to live in purity and to live in innocence and yeah. to, you know, grow up to be the woman that I am today. So I am grateful for my small town upbringings because when I first met my husband, he would always say, you're sheltered, oh. you're sheltered. You don't know anything about anything. And I was thinking, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know more than you think I know I'm just as smart as you I know this I know that I know that but then I realized that I knew so little about so little Mm. and that there was just so much more growth that I needed to do and yeah I did and I'm still growing and I'm still learning
0: yeah yes yes girl (laughs) man you know I I think about there's a couple things that that struck me um I'm gonna come back to the parents conversation in healing or whatever that um, moving from bitterness to uh, forgiveness journey was like for you, but sticking on Utahville, and I like to think of it as um, like the little the little bubble of blackness that we had yes. because we were in a segregated still mm-hmm. South, yes. yes. I want to... If, if somebody is still listening to this um, and we decide to use this part, uh, just go Google Utahville, South Carolina. Utahville, South e. Carolina. It starts with an E. It's E-U-T-A-W-V-I-L-L-E. Um, I have always represented Utahville. When people would ask me where I'm from, I would say Utahville, South Carolina. I wouldn't say... I'm from South Carolina in a small town that's like in uh near Columbia or near where this place, this big name city is, I would say Utahville if they asked me um, because I always wanted to make sure that I didn't lose that connection because it was such a. I I didn't think of it as sheltering even when I moved away, but I also understood that there was like a, a love and, an experience that we got to have because we grew up in a black community and we went to predominantly black schools and I saw that when I went to um, Hampton and I'm sure you saw that when you went to SCU S-S, what is it? SCSU Bulldog. SCSU, South <laughs> Carolina State University, the Bulldogs right? Yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, I saw that there, and so I actually wasn't struck by uh being in a predominantly white space and feeling isolated until I got to Intel, and that was like yes. five years ago. and you and I actually probably talked about that because we always have these like annual calls um yes. to check in with each other did you did you what was your first
1: experience
0: outside of Utahville, outside of SCSU? where you were in a predominantly white space
1: um so going back to what you said about my confidence (laughs) yeah I just always felt like I was so confident and you know coming from that small town with our with like being being in our bubble of blackness I feel like we escaped a lot of the racist things that happen to a lot of people because oh yeah we grew up, you know, uh, like around people that look like us, did the same things that we did. We had, you know, teachers that look like us. We honestly, you know, escaped a lot of racism that many may face. So, going into my field and growing up, I was just like, oh, I'm gonna grow up. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I would hear about racism, but I'm like, you know, nothing's gonna stop me and no one's gonna stop me because That's right. it's almost like certain things about it didn't exist. Oh, that happened a long time ago, back mm-hmm. then. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, going into our field and, you know, coming into womanhood, you realize that people are looking at you a certain type of way as a black woman. Mm -hmm. People are looking at you as a certain type of way as a leader. Mm -hmm. And I will say because I was educated, one of my first encounters with someone, she said to me, oh, you don't talk like a black person or you don't act like you were raised around black people. You act like you were raised around white Mm -hmm. people. Wow. And I was thinking, well, what does that look like? Right. Because we came from a different bubble. There's different bubbles of blackness. and Oh, maybe yeah. Some, you know, and we, we came from a certain bubble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I would say, you know, in Orlando, the place where I am, it's still so segregated. Unfortunately, the black areas in Orlando are mostly the hood. So mm-hmm. the people that are not black that see that look at me like oh well you didn't come from the hood you didn't live in the hood how Mm -hmm. did you get out of the hood Mm. I was never from the hood Mm -hmm. you know I wasn't you know so I think you know it's just girl it's deep we need a Mm -hmm. whole different podcast for that (laughs) on its own I (laughs) mean that's true so you know coming into my womanhood and understanding that people would look at me a certain type of way from being a a black woman with confidence and being threatened by that Mm -hmm. because where I'm from or where I am in Orlando there is not a lot of that so people look at me and like oh you're the enemy oh you just want to get ahead of us no I don't want to get ahead I want to be equal Mm -hmm. like I just want what you have I want to be on the same playing field Mm -hmm. and I think you know yeah it just opened my eyes to so many things um but it also opened to my eyes to you can be that token black person. And I mean, it's just so many levels to it. I mean, like every organization now, they have to have like a certain, certain amount of black people. So people look at it like, oh, well, you were just chosen because we need a black person. Mm-hmm. No, I was chosen because I'm educated, because I know what I'm doing, because I have experience. That's well, why I was qualified. chosen. Yes, <laughs> yes it's just so many levels to it i mean yeah yeah and hopefully i put it into the right words so it can come
0: out right <laughs> no, no 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 don't worry about that right because that's not what we're trying to do here we're trying to right. have
1: real conversations yes
0: <laughs> about real things and hopefully right. make some connections to the biggest things in life yes um i think that brings me back to well that brings me to another point that I wanted to hit on with you right now. And you actually touched on this before um, we started recording. Um, and that has to do with like, what does your personal, professional development looks like right now? And so my question to you before we started was like, what drew you to reach out to me and like do the podcast and you shared about your love for, for, for podcasts? But I've always known you to be someone that whenever you and I connected and we would start talking about these things, we would get into these deeper topics and then it would be, oh girl let me tell you about this thing that I read or let me show you about this show that I watched and we would always be exchanging these uh, insightful and inspiring um, things that we came across over the years And, and I'm curious when that started for you when that like, oh I need to to grab onto inspiration?
1: So, the craziest thing happened to me and I don't understand what happened to me, but um, things happen for a reason, right? Yeah. One day I was sitting in a salon chair and my heart just dropped. And I just came, uh, an overwhelming sense of anxiety came over with, came over Mm. me. So, I started suffering from anxiety. Mm. And, I was trying to figure out why am I suffering from anxiety? I went to my doctors, they could never tell me why. They tried to give me medicine and all of these things. So over the years I started saying, maybe I'm too superficial. Maybe I need to be mm. digging deeper. Maybe I really mm. need to find out who I really am and get to the core of that because I need this anxiety to go away. I was like, something's bothering me deep down inside because anxiety is like that feeling that something is not right within. Like just heart palpitations, like always feeling like there's some dark cloud over your head. And I'm like, why, but why? Because I feel like I've got my career, things are going good. Why am I having this overwhelming sense of anxiety? Well, I'm gonna fast forward to when the anxiety left, but then I'm gonna go back. So what was so crazy is that, you know, I had my daughter. The anxiety happened probably I would say about 12 years ago when I first had that feeling. I had my daughter. The anxiety was still going on and off. It wasn't until I would say I had, I got pregnant last year that the anxiety totally went away. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, how can anxiety just disappear? I'm pregnant Mm -hmm. now and it just disappeared. Mm -hmm. So I spoke to my doctor. I was like, something is, you know, is, is different with me. I'm like, my anxiety is gone. I was like, I woke up one day and it was gone. The dark cloud was gone. And I was still happy with my anxiety and I was managing it, but I was always searching. I'm like, what is it? What is it? It didn't stop me from functioning on a day-to-day basis, but it was always something in me that feel like some that felt like something was missing. So anyway, um, my doctor was like, Well, you know, because you have all these hormones when you like because of, you know, being pregnant with hormones, then that's probably why your anxiety went away because of the hormones. Like you got to reset being pregnant. And I was like, oh cool, I should've did this years ago. <laughs> so after I had the baby, the anxiety starts coming back. And I'm like, what is going on with me? Like, I'm telling you, I tried so many things to um, get rid of the anxiety, aroma therapy. I tried massage therapy. I tried becoming one with nature. I tried all of these things but I was still high functioning with my anxiety. So I realized that when I got my blood work done while I was pregnant, he said that my iron was really low. And Mm. I don't know if you know anything about low iron, but that causes you to feel like you have anxiety. It causes heart palpitations, it causes these issues. So I started to think back, like I said, the anxiety came back, so I popped two pills, right? I felt better couple of days later I realized oh my gosh the anxiety is coming back I didn't take those pills so I popped more iron pills and I realized that it was my iron iron oh. so what was so crazy is that I would go to the doctor all these years and get my physicals they will always say I had low iron but they never said you need to take iron pills or you need to do this or you need to do that they would just say you have low iron and just let it go
0: yes
1: so it was like all these years the the key to me not having anxiety was to take iron pills so let's just say I'm on iron pills now and I take it every day. Yes. But it was just so crazy. That it's like all those years I almost suffered for nothing. Yes. But it also allowed me a chance to dig deeper, mm-hmm. to think like within my soul. So I feel like would I have like dug deep if I didn't have that those issues? Like would I have, would I have dug deep then? But it was just so crazy that the cure was so simple, but I couldn't find it. So for me, I encourage everyone to get your physicals, to thoroughly look at everything that's in your body and any little slight thing that's missing could be a cause. Because I remember my mom telling me that she suffered from anxiety. And I was like, but why? And then I found out that she also had low iron as well. So it's not that you're suffering from anxiety, but it's like we had an iron deficiency. If your body isn't getting all the nutrients that it needs, It was like a warning or indicator to let me know this, something's missing. I knew something's missing, but I didn't think it was something as small as like an iron tablet.
0: Yeah.
1: That also allowed me to really, you know, when anxiety went away last year to really appreciate things and to really understand other people who may be struggling with anxiety to know what they're going through. It Mm -hmm. also, you know, humbles me and allows me to connect with people. On a personal level, when they're having struggles,
0: because I yeah. feel like
1: sometimes when you don't go through things or things just go well for you in life, it's hard to connect when people are having struggles. And
0: things oh like yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> the so baby it, is
1: what dead. a crazy it's... story. I mean, what do you think about that,
0: girl? girl it's so crazy. No, 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 it's not crazy. Let me tell you. Let me tell you my own story in in as in fast as possible. Um, so last year I was diagnosed with PTSD um, and that includes depression, anxiety, a whole lot of other things. Um, and they attributed it to my military service and some other things that have happened in my life that were traumatic. And I had an actual like panic attack in a movie theater, um, not a movie theater, in the parking lot of a movie theater where I could not move. I was so afraid. I called my husband. I called my therapist they talked me off the ledge and and then i was like i'm never going to movie theaters again and i had to get um i didn't start taking medication but the similar thing happened to me when i started to go to see um my therapist through the va system the the veteran affairs system what is this on my face um i got They did my blood work just to make sure that like if they needed to put me on medication that they knew like my blood work stuff so that they wasn't prescribed something that would cause adverse effects. And the nurse that was checking me out said, you know, you have low iron and uh, low blood pressure. Do you get dizzy when you try to stand up? And she asked me all these questions that I had never like I was. In the military system, getting checked out on the regular, all of the blood work done for 20 something years. And nobody ever said to me, your blood pressure is low and you have low iron and you need to be mindful of these other things that can cause those those symptoms to show up. And so all the stuff that you're talking about, like nobody, nobody told me that anxiety Mm -hmm. is tied to low iron. I have low iron, so I didn't know that. And so I was doing these things, thinking that oh, you know, I have to be on this medication (laughs) for depression. um, Yes, when I could just take some iron
1: pills. Girl, but that is my story, Modique. That is my story, and I'm like why like what 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 was god trying to tell me what was he trying to show me like why did i have to go through that for years trying to really feel what was going on it was something that was so simple and i honestly feel like like um one of my friends told me anxiety is an indicator that something just isn't right with your body And yep. nobody teaches us how to listen to our bodies. Nobody teaches us yes. how to. And do you see the overwhelming number of people who suffer from anxiety yes. and who are on anxiety medication in the U.S.? It makes me realize that that number is unreal because we have other underlying things that yes. are not in our food, that are not yes. that we're not getting from nutrition that we were probably getting back in the day. Because yes. a lot of these things, a lot of this food is manufactured and yes. it's missing a lot of the key. Nutrients that we need to make our body Function the way it's supposed to function Again, Girl, I'm about to go get podcast. my
0: vit- Multivitamin right now <laughs> <Yes. laughs> i yes. to go grab it
1: Whew. Yeah, so I'm definitely Taking my multivitamins ev- every day Taking my um, Iron pills every single day And it's just amazing like how I feel like so good
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that I love that Man. Yeah. <laughs> so let's close with uh one last question. Yes. And I think I wanna I wanna have it a little bit future focused, um, thinking about what's the what's the big message from you for whoever, your children, your co workers, your students, communities. What's what's the meaning?
1: So, I would say the big message is to listen to your body, listen Ooh. to your mind, listen to your soul. Like, listen to that voice that's really within, that's telling you, you know, your truths. I would say definitely listen to that voice and don't listen to the voice in a negative way. Like, just really be calm, mm. be still,
0: mm. and listen
1: to your voice because. I would just say, you know, God is within us and yes. he hears us, he heals us. And I think anything that could be going wrong in your life or anything that could be going right, you know, listening to your voice, digging deep, as always, the answer to self-growth, self-healing that kind of thing so I would say listen to that inner voice and Mm -hmm. you know just really follow it and I would also say to you know do everything with love and forgiveness come from a place of love don't let anyone write your story to be a story that is negative speak with Mm -hmm. a voice of victory speak with a voice of triumph I would say listen to that inner voice and do everything with love
0: yes ma'am yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Denise, for this this time today. Um, with your beautiful children and and your amazing story. Um, we could probably do more episodes talking about and digging into, you know, the South.
1: Yes, we need to do a session called Girl Talk. I'm ready.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to get the crew back together.
1: Girl, yes.
0: The conversation that I had with Denise was extremely special to me for my own sentimental reasons but I also feel as though if you're listening and you're still with me right now listening to this episode that at this point you may have had your own moments of connection to what these two women denise and i were having um this week so this is kind of the the end of the episode but i want to kind of close on a few things and so in the fashion of other podcasters i'm gonna call this a uh, segment Ahaz and mm-hmm now if i listen to the episode several times because i'm editing the the podcast myself and i i realize now that i am an audible listener meaning you all probably heard several times in the conversation uh the just responding not in any i do that uh instinctually i don't intend to necessarily always um have that be recorded usually if I'm on a zoom call I'm muted the entire time unless I have something to say but my classmates also express to me in a few different ways that uh, they can visually see when I'm engaged and paying attention to the conversation um and so I'm I'm a whole body kind of listener I express um, my listening and the way that my brain is processing what the person is saying through these very visual and audible ways so ahas and mm mm-hmms will be you could probably go back and listen and count them and probably write you know oh that was something that she thought was interesting but i came away with three that i wanted to uh share with you all this week and i would love to see you know or or hear from you and what you what you came away with what made you laugh or what made you think or what made you what what was something that you learned um that was maybe new information um please share that information with me share your dialogue with me i want to continue this conversation either on instagram or Twitter or whatever podcast platform you're doing just go ahead and drop me a comment or send me a DM I'm happy to hear from you so my three number one I just actually shared it with you that I didn't realize how how audible I was especially not being on mute so in future episodes I will work on that as far as uh, making sure that especially if I'm using a platform like zoom that I'm muted when the person is talking and I'm just kind of listening and taking my notes the second thing that was my aha I think in the bigger grand scheme of things I wrote this down we've always been who we're become we're becoming and I don't know if I stole that from somewhere that's probably something that some great person has been quoted saying but In the conversation that I had with Denise, in my own reflection of myself from a little girl to who I am today, I can see in reflection of those who who we were as little girls and who we are today and how that confidence that Denise had or my like Um, I'm kind of all over the place expressive, uh, but in my shell, um, I've always, we've always been who we're becoming. It's just, uh, once we realize that is really when, um, I think I felt free to express myself in this way, which is why you're getting, uh, actual content from me instead of it just living in my brain all the time so we've always been who we're becoming my last aha mm -hmm, that I'm going to share this week is um, that we should have these types of conversations I hope you all are having not you know necessarily in the way that I'm formatting my conversations for the purposes of a podcast but you know that was just my homegirl and I having a conversation and reflecting on our friendship over the last thirty years, and I'm sure that you are having similar conversations, especially this time of year. Um, you know, it's the the end of the year, holiday seasons. We're having those types of conversations with our friends and our families. Go ahead and dig a little deeper. Ask that next level question to really understand. You know, maybe it was one of those stories that you all always tell every time you all get together, but like ask the deeper questions about what was the context of the time, what was the person's perspective about those uh, experiences in the moment and see if, if there is like a different um, level of understanding that can be reached about these events that have happened um, years and years ago but the individuals involved at the time may have different perspectives about what really happened. And that can open up a a lot of different types of dialogue which you all heard uh, today. It to the end of this episode, we made it through the week, we made it through this day, we made it through this year. We are still alive, we're breathing, we just did something special. You and I and Miss Denise made a meaningful connection. If you're still hanging with us right now, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for showing me love for showing Miss Denise love, for you know taking some time for yourself to process and do what it is that you're doing while you know taking in the sounds of my voice and Miss Denise's voice and whatever background music I got going on right now. Shout out to you. Um, please, 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 if you loved what you heard and you vibing with us, Um, share it on whatever platforms you feel comfortable sharing however you feel like you're sharing it if you have some feedback um, please send me a message you can connect with me Um, there is feed your thoughts the f-e-e-d-y-u-r-t-h-o-u-g-h-t-s one of these days i'm going to spell that phonetically for you all if you don't know what phonetically means look it up google and um so much love so much appreciation to miss denise malik for joining me on the podcast this week um i know what it's like to be a mom with a baby and um you know multiple children you're trying to carve out some time for yourself you're trying to do something to support and so so much love thank you thank you thank you miss denise malik you are appreciated and you're doing your thing so proud of you much love And lastly, this is going to sound like some sponsorship type of stuff, but really for real, for real, I just want you all to know what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, so that you, if you want to start a podcast or if you want to um, give me some tips because um, there is some, some things you might have as far as the feedback on the audio quality or the way that I put the podcast together, I am doing this all learning as I go. I'm googling. I'm going on YouTube, um, and I'm just kind of testing things out. So, um, shout out to Anchor um, FM. They are uh, the platform that i use to put the podcast together i can grab my audio files and they have a lot of transition um, tracks and background music that i'm adding to this to make it sound like something professionally done make it real real easy and intuitive so anchor fm is um, the hosting platform for this podcast Um, i use zoom to have the conversation and record it with miss denise I use WavePad audio editor um, on my computer to edit the audio. I also um, shout out to Brassy Broad Jen. She has brassybroad.com and she also has Brassy Broad Jen J E N on YouTube. And she has a video about um, making Zoom sound better um, for podcast and her steps is what i'm using to take the zoom audio and try to make it sound like something for this podcast so more and more tips um, to come this is the meaningful connections podcast thank you again so much for listening stay tuned more to come love y'all take care